Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, you can see we have couches up here. Um, I've invited Sharon McChristian to come and uh, just share her story. And as we've been going through a series uh, looking at the life of David called Hold That Thought, and we've been talking about just the mind games that we play in our head, facing fear, facing doubt, facing insecurity. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about grief. And so we're going to be taking a pause from following the life of David because uh, we're just going to share a story because stories are so powerful. And Sharon, um, she is such an amazing uh, woman. One of the things I love about Sharon ever since I know her, she, she brings a little bit of Texas everywhere she goes with her. She's, and so um, I love the Texas in, in Sharon. At the same time, she's, she's like family. You know, when you come to Los Alamos, a lot of us were like, I don't know anyone. I don't have any family. I, don't, I just kind of hear and I know the people at work. And we all find a way to just kind of become moms or dads to one another or brothers and sisters to other people and kind of be like family. Well, Sharon's like that to us, our, to us and our family. She's, ever since I've known her, just taking care of our, our boys, taking care of Rita and I. There was a couple of months ago um, that we were sick. Rita and I got food poisoning. We literally couldn't move all day long um, except to go to the bathroom, and you don't want to hear about that. Sharon came over. She went to the store, got all the boys' snacks and food, got Rita and I some food, and just sat it on the door. She didn't want what we had, so she just set it outside, rang the doorbell. But she took care of it. And I'm telling you, it was like one of the most encouraging and uplifting things, especially when you're on the floor and you can't move. So, um, Sharon, I, I appreciate everything that you've, you've done for us. But I'll, let me just give you a little insight to Sharon's story. Sharon, um, she was mar- got married on April 26, 1986, to Randy. Uh, she has two, uh, two, two kids, Connor, who's 30, and Molly, who's 27. Um, in April of 2012, and she's going to share a little bit about this, Randy passed away suddenly after 26 years of marriage. And so she's been journeying through grief, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Sharon... Um, is married. Her husband, Trent, just played on the drums, and they got, they got uh, married on June 20th of 2015. Uh, part of Trent's story is that his wife passed away previously, um, and so Sharon and Trent, who have now been married since 2015, they were high school friends. They knew each other in high school. Trent was actually the one that got Randy to ask Sharon out on the first date. And so there's a lot of of just an amazing story just in that and how those two have known each other for a long time and are now are so strong and thriving. And so what I want you guys to do, let's welcome Sharon to the stage. She's going to share with us her encouraging, inspiring story. So please give her a warm round of applause. We're going to test out your microphone there, too, and just make sure. We're comfy. We, this is the first time we've had couches on the stage before. Is okay. it working? Is that, am I loud enough? Okay. okay. Um, so you and Trent, you met in high school, but what, was it, um, was it sports related? It was band. Band. Yes. Okay. So Trent's the drummer. Yes. He's, he's great at 
um, at, at drumming, musician, sorry, Trent, okay at golf. <laughs> um, no. I've got to play with Trent before and, and play some golf with him. Well, Sharon, um, I just want to say thank you for coming um, and being a part of today and sharing your story. Um, and just, I know you want to be encouraging. I know you want people to hear your message at the same time when we're talking about the loss of a, of a spouse. It's, um, it's tough, and even today will be tough. So I thank you for just being open and authentic and, and brave and, um, and just being able to share what God's kind of put on, on your heart today um, with us. So thank you for being here. Um, just kind of just take us back to the beginning. Um, how did, I mean, we know Trent kind of introduced you guys, but just you and Randy meeting, getting married, having kids, and just kind of introduce us to, to the beginning. Well, thank you. And thank you for your sweet words. And uh, thank you also for asking about Randy. Um, I loved him very much, love him very much. Sometimes it's hard to know how, what to say in the past tense and what not to say in the past tense. He's still a big part of my life, and I like to talk about him. Um, I always say he will never be a stranger in our home, and Trent's very supportive of that. Uh, he and I talk about our late spouses a lot, Randy and Veronica. Um, we tell stories and uh, share memories. It's just part of our life together. But I met Randy when I was in high school. We were all in high school together, and he came home from college the summer before my senior year. So Trent and Randy were a little bit older than me. And um, I ended up going to the same college. Imagine that. We had started dating by then. And when I graduated um, from college, we got married, and we moved down by San Antonio, Texas, and where he was already living and working at the time. And he was a mechanical engineer, and I was an English teacher, and we were really happy. And after a few years, the kids came along, Connor and then Molly, and uh, we just wrapped our lives around those two kids and each other and started the whirlwind that became our life. And I'm sure all of you uh, know what that's like. The thing to know about Randy is that he was very easy to love, he was incredibly intelligent and kind, and he had a really witty sense of humor. You had to really pay attention to get some of his jokes. <laughs> and uh, he was a wonderful father and husband, and he was a good man. Awesome. Sounds like an incredible, um, incredible man, incredible family. Um, take us back to 2012. Um, and, and what can you tell us about what happened? Well, we can all think back to where our lives were in April of 2012. In some ways, it seems like many, many years ago. In others, it seems like just yesterday. But I was living a really beautiful life. We were empty nesters. Connor and Molly were in college at that time. Connor was a senior and Molly was a sophomore. And we were starting to see the light at the end of that tunnel of paying for kids' college expenses. And life was good, and we were busier than ever. We had both been out of town that week for work, both of us. I was a librarian at that point, and um, I was in Houston at a conference. He worked for an aircraft company in San Antonio, and they also have offices in Utah, and so he was flying back and forth a lot. And we weren't together on the actual day, the 26th of April, 
And so after he got home that Friday night, we um, celebrated 26 years of marriage. We stayed on the Riverwalk in San Antonio and ate at a nice restaurant and watched the Fiesta Flambeau parade from the rooftop of our hotel. And I have really good memories of that last night that we had together. And we got home on Sunday and had just a normal Sunday afternoon. As, as we were getting ready to go to bed that night, he collapsed in front of me. And my picture of health, husband, died from a heart attack. There was no warning. There had not been any signs at all. And there wasn't any time to say goodbye. He was simply there with me one minute and gone the next. Um, I can't even imagine. And you have, I mean, have relived that moment, I'm sure, a ton. And part of why you're here today is to share a message of hope and encouragement in all of this, even through some of the worst moments in your life. And that's something that um, even when we do a growth track, I try to tell people, you know, we try to find out what's our purpose in life. God, where are you leading? And, and it doesn't always, this isn't always the case, but in a lot of cases, he will use our pain for purpose. And so I like, uh, to me, when we get to a place where we can talk about these things, I always want to know, where did you see Jesus? Because I'm a big believer, if we think back to those moments or those days afterwards or those times afterwards, he was there somewhere. So can you, did you see Jesus anywhere in, those, in, that, in that terrible time? I, I did, Mike. And you were so sweet to me this week. When Mike and I were talking about this, he told me, he was like, it's okay, Sharon, if you say you didn't see him at all. <laughs> like, it's okay to say that, you know, to admit that. But I have always told my kids and I remind myself a lot that just like what you said, I mean, I think in every situation we can see God and his blessings, even in the terrible situations. And I, I, did, I did see God. Um, I experienced that peace that passes all understanding that we read about in Philippians 4, 7. I just had a peace in my soul that I cannot explain and I know that that peace comes from God and comes from having the Holy Spirit in my life. And this may be hard for some people to understand, but as terrible as that night was, and you can kind of imagine, um, and I have relived it hundreds of times, but I am so thankful that I was there with him. I choose to look at it as a blessing from God that I was there he wasn't alone, and I know what happened because I was with him, and so I'm very thankful for that, and I do see God. I, I thank him for that, and we also saw God through people. Um, my school that I was working at, my church, our friends and our family uh, were just so wonderful to us, and I just think that people show us God's love, yeah. and um, they certainly did through that experience. You're so strong. <laughs> I mean, even today, just even sharing. Um, Thank you. That. Um, at the same time, like the the grief that that un, unimaginable. You weren't planning for this to happen. Here it is, and now you're stuck with all these emotions that are happening in those days and weeks. Um, 
can you tell us what, what that, what that, what some of those feelings were and some of the things you learned um, in those days and weeks and months afterwards? Well, I do want to make it clear that I am not an expert on grief in any way. Um, it's just been my experience. You know, we live in this community where we have so many PhDs and it's so important to be an expert here. I'm kind of a fish out of water because I don't feel like I'm really an expert on anything. I always tell people I got my grief education from the good old school of hard knocks. Um, so what I'm sharing this morning is just my life experience and also what I've learned from a really great grief support group called Grief Share that we're gonna be talking about a little bit later this morning. And I Googled the word grief just to see what Google said about it. And so I combined a few of the definitions and grief is our response to loss. So it can be the loss of a pet, the loss of a job, the loss of a marriage, we experience grief. Grief is deep sorrow, especially that caused by someone's death. So the most severe grief that most of us are ever going to experience is from the loss of a loved one. And that's a really neat and tidy definition, isn't it? But grief is not neat and tidy. Grief is chaos. It's chaos in your life and it's chaos in your mind. I was so fortunate that we were planners by nature, Randy and I both, and he took care of his family, Connor and Molly and I, in his death, just as much as he took care of us in his life. There was a will, which is so important. There was life insurance. He made sure that I knew how he took care of the things in our marriage that he always took care of. Um, even when I hated sitting by him by the computer with his spreadsheets showing me how he handled everything. Um, I'm so thankful for that now. But even with all of that, um, I felt total chaos in my life at times. And I am a planner. I'm a list maker. And you better believe I had my whole life planned. It was planned. But no one's life goes as we have it planned and that's one thing that grief has taught me. Grief is universal. We will all experience it. I recently heard someone say that we are all going to find ourselves in the front row at a funeral. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. And I can tell you from personal experience that that front row seat is not the best seat in the house. It is a terrible, terrible time for families, and I'm sure many of you understand that. Grief is hard, it is lonely, and it is severe sadness. Psalm 6, 2 through 3 offers a great description, I think, of grief. It says, my bones are in agony, my soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? And I do understand what that verse is talking about. Um, you mentioned just even in the, the chaos. You're a planner. I'm a planner. <laughs> um, and if, if things aren't going the way I have planned, I mean, just even little things in the morning, they can throw, it can throw me off. But this is chaos to another level. How did, how did you even navigate? Like, how do you even figure out what's next with all that? Well, um... You know, grief is a journey, a never-ending journey, really. Um, 
And I was talking to my daughter about this yesterday, and she knew that I was going to be doing this. Both the kids know that I'm doing this today. And she reminded me that one thing that I told them very early on was that, you know, we were not going to fall apart. I was, there was just no way that that was not an option for us. And so the kids and I did talk about it. And we wanted to grieve as a family of faith. Um, that was just all there was to it. Our faith in God, our faith in Christ had been a foundation of our family. And we just, the three of us, and we called ourselves the three musketeers. Um, we weren't going to leave that faith just because something had happened that was so horrible in our family. And I do believe that that helped with the future as we started moving forward, each of us in our own way. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Just an anchor mm -hmm. to hold on to when yes. there's chaos yes. going around. Um, part of what I wanted to share, because even in, in asking questions, like for myself, I, I, when, when you and I met and even talked, just the idea of sitting down and doing this, I was afraid I was going to um, maybe insult you or offend in just some of my ignorant questions or um, just um, not say the right thing or trigger something. And I was like, I don't, you know, help me help you type thing. But I wanted to ask you a question, like what's some do's and don'ts that maybe you experienced with other people, friends, family members who loved on you who were going through this time? So in a way you can help me and the rest of us say, how can I be a better friend? How can I be a better um, family member to support those who are, who are grieving, right. especially in the holidays. Yeah, and it's so important to support people that are going through any tragedy, but especially grief. And I had an amazing support system of family and friends. Um, I think the most important thing you can do for someone is show up. And, you know, Rita mentioned that. You've even mentioned that today about just showing up in our own lives, showing up in other people's lives. And I could list so many ways that people showed us that they cared. Um, but you can literally show up at their door, um, give them a hug and let them know that you care. You can call, text, email. And you don't wanna just do that in the first weeks and months afterwards. You wanna continue showing up in their lives in the years after. You don't have to worry about reminding someone that their loved one has died. Uh, we live with it every day and just be normal i my friends were so encouraging for us to just do the normal things that we had always done and i have two really good friends in particular and we used to get together every thursday after school and we said we did it to talk about our daughters it was kind of our grief or our uh, counseling session with raising girls that were in high school um but they kept doing that for me and it showed up more than even just on Thursdays after school, but instead of talking about our daughters like we had done for so many years, they just cried with me, and they listened to me, and we just sat and cried for many, many days. And I remember my sister one time telling me that sometime we would be able to get together and not cry, and she was right. That day did finally come. It took a while, but it did finally come. And you can think of things like food. Food is always appreciated. Um, something simple that one of my best friend's husbands did was he sent my daughter and her friends out for pedicures one afternoon. 
And that was the week leading up to the memorial service. And my daughter was home from college, and some of her friends had come in from college to support her. And he just sent them out to do something fun together to get her mind off of it. So something as simple as that, just to show that you care. You can share a new experience. I love to make new memories. And I had two friends who trained for and ran a marathon with me that first year. And um, that might seem a little extreme, but that, that training was so good for me. And, um, but for somebody else, it might just be going for a walk with them every Wednesday afternoon, but just being committed to it in their lives. And you can certainly be supportive and listen. Um, Trent and I reconnected after over 20 years of not even seeing each other. I started mailing him, emailing him, uh, because we had been such good friends in high school, and I knew that he would understand what I was going through. Uh, Veronica had passed away about two years before that, and he listened to a lot of my crazy ramblings. He still does. He's a very good listener, and he's really supportive. And as far as the don'ts, um, I think so many things fall under this one umbrella, but just don't judge. It's really easy to sit back and judge how someone is handling something that's happened in their lives. But until you have walked in their shoes, you have no idea what they're going through. And I can tell you that until you have buried your husband or your wife or your child, uh, you can't imagine the pain and the anguish of that. Yeah, I just not being, I haven't walked in your shoes, nor have we walked in anybody else's shoes but our own. And I think that's important just to know for, any, for anyone in any situation. And then just that, just show up, just show up. Let's flip this a little bit because you also said, hey, at some point in time, we're going to be the ones grieving the loss of someone that we love that's close to us. And while we don't want to think about that, I think it's appropriate to, okay, you were that person. What tips, what do's and don'ts do you have for the person who is grieving? And if it's us one day, what can we do to make sure we're t taking next steps in a, in a healthy way in the middle of all that chaos? Well, there's so much that can be said on this. I've spoken on this one topic before. A grief share takes 13 weeks um, to help people who are grieving. But the phrase that I learned early on that really helped me a lot was do the next thing. Just do the next thing, whatever it is that needs to be done. And I know for some people that next thing might literally be putting their feet on the floor and just getting out of bed. That might be your next thing. For me, it was just a reminder to not sit in my chair and feel sorry for myself, that I needed to get up and do the next thing and get my mind off of the pain that I was experiencing. And take care of yourself spiritually, emotionally, and physically. I believe in controlling what we can control. I guess it's that control yeah. thing, that list thing. But you know, feed yourself good food. Grief affects you physically. And you have to take care of yourself. And one way that you can do that is just make sure that you're feeding your body healthy food. And feed your mind truth by reading the Bible. I can tell you that my mind was all over the place, um, especially that first year. 
It would have been really hard for me to stand on the promises of God if I didn't even know what the promises of God were, and I had to remind myself what those were, and I had to read my Bible. I had to make sure that I knew God's truth in my life. And one thing that kept me reading my Bible was Grief Share. I did attend that support group. Um, but besides being a support group, Grief Share offers encouraging daily emails that you can sign up to get. And I started getting them just a couple of weeks after Randy passed away. A friend from my church had told me about it. And one day that summer, I got an email, and Deuteronomy 30:19 was the focus. And it says, um, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And I can tell you getting that email that day changed my life. I knew that I wanted to be an example for my kids of how to grieve with this huge loss in our family. But this scripture made me realize that I needed to be an example of how to live with this loss. I had to choose life for my kids. You know, every one of us has to decide how we're going to choose life in the midst of a tragedy. And especially when grief is involved, it can be really hard because we all grieve differently. But you have to choose life. You have to go on living. And that can be difficult. Yeah. I love that. I love that phrase, choose, choose life. Um, with any sort of heavy mental battle that we're facing, be it depression or uh, anxiety, grief, these things that are just monsters that are lingering there, right? Um, it's one thing to say, hey, I'm going to choose life and do it. It's another thing to actually take those steps, which, you know, it's like be the hardest thing, just getting out of bed. What do, you, what do you do if you get stuck? Because I think that's, it's, it's not a guarantee that we're just always going to choose life. And I think it's okay in many cases for me, if I take two steps forward and one step back, that's still progress in my book. At the same time, I recognize we might get stuck at times. What, do I, what, what, what would you say if I help me get through that? Well, at first, I think it's really important to acknowledge that you are stuck. Um, and there are two questions that I'll throw out here that you can ask yourself. You can ask yourself, am I growing in this journey? Because you will not be the same person that you were before grief entered your life. You have a choice. You can be bitter or you can be better. You can let, also... Let me, let me cut it. Okay. Bitter, you said bitter. Because uh, that bitter towards what? I think you can, you can be bitter towards a lot of things, uh, especially just life in general. You know, we're coming up on the holidays, and um, social media, as wonderful as Facebook and Instagram are, they can be really hard. Mm -hmm. And it's really uh, difficult sometimes when you're hurting to get on there and see all these perfect, happy families that we see on Facebook and on Instagram. And, um, I've, I've known people who this time of year just get off all social media altogether until the, the first of the year mm -hmm. because it is so painful. And that's one way to kind of guard yourself against the bitterness. Okay. Um, you, had, you had alluded to it earlier 
um, and I think we have a, a little slide on this, but we are going to offer probably the second week in December, just so you know. Um, we're, it's called uh, Surviving the Holidays, and it's a one night, about a two to three hour block, uh, provided by GriefShare, specifically designed for anyone who's journeying through this. And so Sharon's going to lead out in that. We're working on a location right now. Um, and so once we have the location nailed down, we will let you know the dates and times. But it is a, a time for you, if you are going through this, to come and be a part of it. Or maybe you know someone and you can show up on their behalf. Like you can, you can go with them too. Um, and it's a, a one-night thing just to help give some tools and equip and some community around this much-needed area because a lot of us, sometimes maybe we don't even know where to go. So we will make sure once we have that date, you will know and you can get the information out um, for everyone. You've ran that before um, and did a phenomenal job with that a, a few years ago. And so we want to offer that again for anybody that's, that's, that's struggling and going through this journey. Um, Sharon, as we just kind of round this out, I, I want to say thank you for taking the time again to dive into some very deep personal uh, things, but even just as I'm watching, you have, have you're, you're brave, you're encouraging um, and strong in some of your weakest spots as well. And so um, thank you for sharing, but at the same time, is there anything else um, you just wanna share with us and, and leave with us today? Well, thank you, Mike. And life, uh, God has been so good to me my whole life, and I do have a desire to share that with others. So I do want to leave you with just a couple of things that have been really meaningful to me. The first is about questioning God or asking why. Why did he have to die so young? Or why did she have to die this way? Or the big one, why is this happening to me? But I can tell you questioning God never really served a purpose in my life in this instance because I will never know why Randy had to die at age 50. But even if God gave me the answer to why, it wouldn't bring him back. It wouldn't change anything that's happened in my life. And so I have found that it's better for me to just not go to all those questions. I have learned that I have to live between the exclamation points of what I know to be true about God instead of living between the question marks of what I don't understand. That's a choice that I've made. I have to trust in the sovereignty of God. And then the final thing is just hope and faith. I recently heard Max Lucado, and I have heard Mike Brake many times call hopelessness our enemy. We have to try to maintain hope in our lives. God is the God of hope. Amen. And one thing that brought me hope was the scripture Job 42, 12 which says the Lord blessed the second half of Job's life greater than he had blessed the first. And I claimed that scripture in my life and I prayed that he would do that for me and I believe that he has. I am blessed in a second marriage to a wonderful man. My kids are happy and healthy and all you moms know there's nothing better in the world than to know that your kids are happy and healthy. And I'm so happy to be happy again. And Trent and I are so close, and I know that a lot of that is because what we've been through. 
He and I are the poster kids for hope. I truly believe that God went before us all those years ago in high school band, and that was a long, long time ago. And he made a special place in our hearts for each other. I have no doubt about that. God knew that we would need each other later in life. He knew how much I would need him later on in my life. And so I want to encourage you that God goes before all of us all the time preparing the way. He wants the best for our lives. He tells us that in Jeremiah 29, 11. I know a lot of you can say it with me. For I know I have the plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And I do realize that from our human vantage point, some situations are hopeless. My husband wasn't coming back. There was no hope of him returning. And you may know someone who gets a stage four cancer diagnosis, and soon the hope of a miracle is gone. But I just believe that in these cases, we don't have to have hope in those situations anymore. We just have to have faith. Thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you. Sharon, thank you for coming and sharing with us this morning. Um, you talk about faith. You talk about hope. We're going to see Randy again. And, and that's based on not what we, what we feel or think, but that we will. Um, we base this on Scripture, what Scripture says, and says, hey, you have a relationship with Jesus. We will see him again. So I just want to say thank you again. Can we give her a round of applause? Thank you. Thank you. As we close out this morning, I'm going to ask either Rendell or Teo if you guys want to come and, and, and play up here. Um, I just want to close out with one verse. And you guys can go ahead and stand because this way I'll, I'll make sure we're leaving soon. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is the love chapter. If you go to a wedding, uh, a lot of times they're going to read love is this and love is this and love is this. And it's actually written to a church, not for a wedding, but at the same time fits well in a wedding. But it ends with this. It says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I've always kind of wondered about that. Like, why is love greater? I mean, these other things aren't bad, but why does it make this statement? And to be honest, like, think about eternity. Because we all have that inside of us. What's going to happen when I die? What happens after this life? Where am I going to go? Whether you're a Christian, atheist, agnostic, it doesn't matter what religion you are. You have that within you. You're like, something's going to happen. What is it? And the faith and the hope that we have is in Jesus. That Jesus paid the price for our sins when he died on the cross. And nobody had it planned that that's the way it was going to go except for God himself said, this is what's going to happen. And then nobody had it planned that there was going to be a resurrection on that Sunday morning. Because when they showed up to the tomb, it wasn't like there was a countdown saying 10, 9, Hey, you know, and then when the, to the stone rolled away, like confetti and fireworks. and No, nobody knew 
that that's what God had planned all along when they, when they showed up to this graveyard. The faith and the hope that we have is in a death and a resurrection. And from that moment on, Christianity was birthed not in hopes and, and on some sort of feeling, but it was based on evidence of this guy was God living this thing out. He was dead. That's why they put him in a, in a tomb, because he was dead, and now he's alive. And then he went to heaven and says, hey, one day I'm coming back. And when I do, everybody who has a relationship with me, we will all be together. When we get there, when we get there, faith and hope will be actualized. We won't need it anymore because it will be present in front of us. But what goes on, what will continue for eternity? Love. Love won't stop. Love just keeps going. That's why when you love others, when you serve, when you give, when you love generously with other people, that's the things of eternity that lasts forever. That's what that relationship with God is, that you can have heaven now. So I don't know what's going on in your, in your life right now. Your, your faith and hope is not in feelings. It's in a Savior. And we rest and bank on that. That's why in Scripture it says, hey, death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? I love when, the, when it talks about them sleeping. It's like, well, they went to sleep, but then they'll rise again. Why do Christians talk about death as sleep? Because they saw a Savior who was dead who's now alive. We can bank on that. So I, I'm encouraged by Sharon's story. Say, I'm banking on that Jesus banking on you and we can move forward in that so with that can we can we pray together can we can we seek God in this moment no matter what we're facing say God I'm gonna trust in you God we thank you for today we thank you for for Sharon we thank you for Trent we thank you for the power in just story but not just any story, a story that points towards your story. It's your story in us. And each one of us have that if we would just give it over to you. If we would just surrender that and say, God, I don't see it. I don't feel it, but I'm going to trust you anyway. Your story is in me somewhere, and I'm willing to give it over to you today. I'll surrender to you whatever you need me to do. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you wanna partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's gonna get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.